Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Bad Beats episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about to make the legendary worst deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything real estate investor-oriented. And we got a hot uh, promo for everybody on the podcast today. If you text in ROYAL to 474747, uh, we're going to give you guys the uh, top 10 things you need to know about asset protection. So that's uh, text in ROYAL to 474747, and we're going to shoot that over to you. Um, today, I got uh, Antonio with me. Uh, Antonio is a phenomenal character as well as um, monster when it comes to business and entrepreneurialism uh, as it relates to real estate. So Antonio, I know we're going to be talking about a worse deal uh, here today, um, but can you give us some background about, you know, what's going on with you before you get into this deal? Kind of give us like the landscape of like, where's your mind at? Where's your head at? Um, because sure. you know, ultimately we know like mindset is what leads us into, you know, great things that we're doing as well as, you know, things that don't turn out well, uh, right. So what does that look like for you before you get yeah, in? Yeah, sure. I'm actually thinking, I'm feeling your energy. You actually make me want to bring, I got an office full of people. I might bring them into the studio, man. Let's, you know, have a little crowd in front of me. We go after it, right? Because that's my mindset. My mindset is dominate all day, every day. I think competition is an average concept for average people. Competition is just insane. So you want to become a monopoly as fast as possible. That being said, I'm a monopoly in my field. Real estate is not my field, but I sure make a lot of money in it, right? <laughs> I hide my wealth in real estate. I am a speaker, trainer, coach uh, by trade, but the truth is I'm a savvy businessman. And I went from homeless from six to 18 to absolutely nothing, product of child protective services. Now I am fortunate enough to be what they call a multimillionaire. Some put self-made in front of it. It works, you know, it works. I appreciate that too. But other than that, my man, I'm going for omnipresence and pure monopoly. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So tell us about a little bit about um, what's this worst deal, you know, from 10,000 feet up before we dive in the nitty gritty. What does that actually look like? It looks like pain, uh, foreclosures, uh, no baths, uh, just a bunch of trash. Okay. That's what it looks like. Okay. <laughs> now to give you some more details about that. I got into real estate in 2008. Now, if you know anything, I'm from Galveston Island, Texas. It's a, it's a small town. It's not a town. It's an Island, obviously. And it's, it's like Corpus Christi. It would be the Bahamas of the Texas coast. And, and it's not man-made. It's a real Island. In fact, you go Southern than Galveston, you were running to Jamaica or Cuba. And this, this is it, right? Sitting on the Gulf of Mexico, 2008, Hurricane Ike comes through and just pees all over Galveston, Texas. Right? 25 feet worth of just water droplets, just, you know, all that stuff like that. Storm surge come through. I get into real estate right after that because I'm broke and I buy five houses in my first year. Okay. It's like, woohoo, yay. Well, success will reveal your problems, right? <laughs> okay. It was my problem. I overcompensated myself. Okay. So this is probably the best thing to talk about for the rest of the episode overcompensation. One renter walked out 
And I lost four houses because of that. I lost the one they walked out on plus three more due to overcompensation. I'm more than happy to explain all the details of that, but I think that's pretty bad. Yeah. And I think it's worth that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, like it's a pretty solid lesson, you know, about like, what does that look like? But, but there's probably something else, right? Like I think a lot of people would jump right into it to say, Oh, it's because you're not following some type of best practices or whatever. Right. But what I want to dive into first into that is saying like, what is what is what's going on with you that has you making the decision to run that tight on your margins where like one thing can go wrong everything else collapses around it like what's going on with you like because it has to come from your head first right you know of course of course of course man i was broke and i was ignorant on fire right the the absolute best answer to answer your question is i became a savvy investor before I became a savvy businessman. That is a recipe for failure. I learned how to invest before I learned how to create business systems that would not let me overcompensate myself. Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant really explains this better than anybody else. I literally started investing. Here's how I did it, man. I, I, I spent two years training under this guy. His name was David Bostick, to be I'm honest, that's his real name. Two years, I'm, I'm working for him for free. So it looks like I'm working for him for free and I get all this real estate knowledge, but I'm still broke. And I've run out there and I learned how to do creative financing very quickly. So I'm buying these houses creatively. Here's one instance. I chopped down three oak trees. No, I'm sorry, it was one oak tree. I chopped down one oak tree in this one property. I needed $8,000 down for this one property, but this oak tree had $12,000 of wood in it for this lumber company in Galveston, Texas. Well, I chopped it down. I let them keep four. I made them give me eight. Boom. I put for sale by owner. I gave them $8,000. Now I got this note. Now I do things like that over and over again. I got four no- or five notes on houses and renters in every house. What I would do is I found my houses first, raised the money or created the money from some creative finances, and then put the renter in the house for the renter to support my notes. Sounds like a good idea. Back Sounds to like you. a great idea, right? <laughs> no, I mean, like you're, you're, I mean, those are all like the pieces that you'd say fundamental or like a good way of running a business and like, okay, cool, you got the properties coming in or whatever, right? But it sounds like probably one of those situations where you ran the spreadsheets, ran the numbers for what you needed to do on the house. But when it came to saying, what are the spreadsheets, the numbers, how am I going to live my life and association of that thing, those, those pieces didn't run up, didn't jive up together. You know, of course they didn't. No, they and, didn't. But think about it, bro. It's like what you ended up doing was is you ended up running in to go learn how to do real estate investing for two years. And they taught you the hustle on that. Yep. But they didn't teach you the other hustle, which is like how to live, you know, and what it takes to like live. Right. Right. No matter, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a couple of things hidden here that we didn't even recognize. Remember, this is 2008. So by this time, I purchased these houses in 2009. Well, in 2009, at least in Texas, the housing market goes belly up. So yeah. now I'm not ready for the belly up. Neither are my renters. My renters have to choose between gas as in fuel, petrol being absolutely a real bill in their house 
And now they have to choose between paying my rents or going and downsizing. So they downsized me and they chose to go survive. But when they did that, it left me out of the safety bubble of being a savvy businessman. Here's what happened in a nutshell, man, and we can unpack it 50 million times. What happened was the first renter walked out and the house only cost me 17,000 to get. I put in about $25,000 of rehab. Actually, I was pretty creative with that because I had this group that was a volunteer group helped me rehab. So the $25,000 that I spent was actually like a $50,000 of rehab. So now I've got this house at about $100,000 and I spent about $17,000 on it. Perfect. Everything's awesome. It's costing me for sale by owner. So I had bad credit. So it's costing me 10% interest rate. So I'm spending at something like $800 a month on this house. Boom. Not a problem. And then all of a sudden they walk out. So I being smart, I said, well, you know what? I'll just move in, cover that one. And right after that, the next month, someone else walks out of another one. Now I can't cover the one I'm in plus the one that I'm trying to cover now. After a few months of that, my man, <laughs> I got to decide, you know, look, am I going to eat? Is this, you know, now, now I'm screwed over. Am I going to eat? Am I going to let one of these four clothes? But you know what? Me being the stubborn guy that I am, I double down, right? I double down. And then all of a sudden, now three people, I mean, another person now. So now I got one house I'm living in because someone ran out and came out of two more that are empty all because I didn't take six months reserves. Seriously. I actually did have six months reserves. I grant Cardone. I didn't 10 X what I actually needed to do to survive. I thought six months reserves was enough. I'm telling everybody, listen to me. That is a bunch of crap. That is never enough. You should be going for 60 months reserves before you try to even start investing. That would be me. Uh, it's unpopular advice. The doggone it, I follow it today. Well, you got burned, right? You got burned hard. I got burned. So what's going on? Like, um, let's, let's delve into a little bit about what you do like when you're um, in that situation. Because I, I mean, I, I think it's probably pretty easy. Okay, not easy to know all the skills that you need to be able to get into get into that kind of problem, right? Because that's yeah. difficult to know how to do. Work those kind yeah. of deals. You're constantly hustling, 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 scoping out tons of deals probably to be yep. able to find the right angle to be able to to do it, right? So that's like that's yep. brilliant, right? But it comes yep. into like another piece too about saying like, what do you do once you're in there and things start going sideways on you? Because I think a lot of people when they're in there, they could probably just as easy like implode. You know, because sure. the amount of stress and the amount of fear of loss uh, that you have going into that, you know, through that, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing um, in that time period to, like, keep your head on straight, to be able to focus on what it is that you need to keep doing every day? Yeah, yeah. Learning and <clears throat> you're doing about three things. I would say you're always learning. That's, that's stupid important to always learn then you're always trying to pass off your expenses to someone else. If, if you're not doing that, then you're just really not investing whatsoever because all debt is good if someone else pays for it. 
right? So you got, you got the whole, this is what I want to do. And now I want someone else to pay for it. So I'm learning someone else is paying for it. And then the third thing you're doing in the middle of all this stuff is you really just got to have a high tolerance for pain. And I think all entrepreneurs, real entrepreneurs have high tolerances for pain. So, man, I'm sitting here, I'm doing all the maintenance, like most small time real estate investors, I'm doing all the maintenance, doing all the worst stuff. I'm still learning, so that's keeping me afloat. I'm learning how to be smart. I've got other people paying the bills, that's keeping me afloat. And then I'm also just making sure I take a high tolerance of pain. But the moment the people who are paying my bills can no longer pay my bills, that's when everything will belly up. Yeah. So what happened is that, <clears throat> so it's one of the things that happened to you there is that you had a ton of education on how to get into the deals and how to do the creative financing, but not a lot about what to do when things would go sideways. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, that, that's, that's spot on. I mean, I was just starting off. I was, I was a uh, young, young hustler, ready to change my life around. And I, no, one ever, no one actually taught me creative finances. I mean, the streets did that. I was broke, right? I'm, I'm, from, I'm from the hood of America. So I've been creative financing since I was three. You know, I've, I've been the kid that would go ask mom for something. And of course, if mom wouldn't give it to me, I'd go creatively ask dad for something, right? I've been, I've been swindling out money as soon as I could. But you have to continue your education in finance. Finances. I didn't know nothing about how to how not to pay too much in taxes. Man, it's just so much. And if you don't, if you don't have, and then you know what? I passed up my mentor. So that's another thing. I passed up my mentor and I didn't have a mentor at that time. The mentor I had can no longer help me. So now I'm out here overcompensated and with no mentor to tell me, dude, slow down. I didn't slow down and speed up. And I was after the whole equity and net worth and you know this, this, and that. And I didn't pause to realize what was right for me at that time. Yeah, well, it's like, um, it, I, it reminds me of like that classic kind of piece that happens, like you got really busy doing, you know? Yep. Like, okay, I'm studying, I'm grinding out my game. I got it. I'm, this is what I learned how to do is learn how to do my hustle. Um, but there's like a piece in there. You're like, Hey, it's always need to keep learning. That's but right. I wonder if it would have turned out differently for you. If you would have, um, like upgraded your mentor, but sure like, would, would another mentor though come in? Do you think like another, a better mentor would have been able to come in and tell you like, here's what you need to do with this situation you're about to get into. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, man. What do, you, what do you think that mentor would have told you? I mean, no, yeah, yeah. I would have told me because I had about I had about 90 days before things went belly up. Then I had another 90 days before they can legally foreclose on me. So you tell me I got like 180 days to fix this problem. I would absolutely tell myself what I know now, dude, you got about 180 days to be able to pay for it, to be able to go get enough money for these houses in cash to where someone walks out, it does not affect you. And I would have taught myself, okay, you have investments that are assets. You need to create some assets or some businesses that are also assets. So your income doesn't pay for these houses if something happens, 
but the side businesses, micro businesses or something like that will pay for these other assets if something go out. So I guess I could say that concisely because I'm kind of a nerd. So I'll be talking all nerd like concisely is I would have told myself you got about 180 days to get your stuff together or you're going to go belly up. That's number one. Number two, I would have told myself, don't think your investments are assets. They are, but not for the assets you need in your life. That's what I would have told myself. Number two, they're assets because they generate income, but your assets are unprotected is what I would have told myself. Number three, go and start you. Doesn't matter. Network marketing company, go buy a snow cone. Well, I'm in Texas, right? It was summertime. Go buy a snow cone stand. Do whatever you have to do, right? Go sell some popcorn balls, some turkey necks. Do whatever you have to do on the side to generate income so you can have an extra $3,000 a month coming in. So when something goes bad on these, so when the multiple streams of income on these assets on the investment assets go down your multiple streams of assets on your business side go up and they wash out in the wash that's what i would have told myself you know i think that's a, a genius idea is to say like your your investments should be truly as most passive as you can because you need to be generating active income somewhere with your time which should be your mm-hmm. highest roi needs to be in your active income i think the hardest thing for a lot of people in that scenario is probably trying to keep their lifestyle down <sighs> right because this yeah. is what i would see happen to everybody i know where is they start making money in the real estate that's going good so they're like boom that's free money in the bank i'm making money with my active income what am i doing right now i should be spending this money that i got because i can't afford it right yep. instead of doing what i see like robert kiyosaki and these really really smart guys that are talking about how do you have it where you never have the dips is what they're like he says like he'll never go out and buy a mercedes Right. Yep. If they want a new car, what they'll do is they'll say, how can I get enough passive income to afford the car payment for the Mercedes? And That's right. Generate the active income to turn it around, to make the passive income, to then buy the thing they want, which really means you have to have like five or 10 times the amount of money you think you need. That's right. from your active income to be able to float it. I don't know if that made sense to a lot of the investor, like a lot of the audience out there, but it's one of those pieces that said there's actually multiple steps that you need into saying, like, how do you bulletproof your finances? Wow, I like that. Bulletproof your finances. That was flawless. I like that. Because that's what that, I think that's what you're getting at, Antonio. It's like right there. It's like you, you could have turned around. I bet you could have turned around if, if you would have had the question presented to you appropriately from somebody definitively yep. says, you have 180 days, go figure out how you can make 4K a month in an active yep. business, 180 days. I bet you'd have been like, oh yeah, I can do that. No problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 I've got this young spirit. I'm ready. I'm ready to jump out there. Yeah. But no one posed me the question because I was ignorant, too ignorant enough to go find another mentor. But you, man, you're spot on, man. I live like that now. My assets are completely bulletproof. I have 16. You know what? And I'm glad you brought this up. Today, I have 16 streams of income because I learned that very, very awful lesson. It's like the best thing to ever happen to me that I never want to go through again, right? It's, it's, the, it's the best thing I don't ever want to happen to me again. But that is true because getting 4K a month, dude, I only needed like 20. These were cheap houses. These were houses in low-income areas, right? This wasn't, this wasn't the Taj Mahal. This, this wasn't downtown buildings. These were houses I'm buying for $17,000 and renovating and stuff like that, right? But my finances were not bulletproof. 
because I had bullet holes in my knowledge. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's yeah. a knowledge area, right? And like, that's a hundred percent why it makes a lot of sense to like focus on what type of education am I getting, right? There's education yeah. out there. That's the type of education that you can get that'll actually teach you a technical skill. Like this is how you're going to do X, right? And I'll teach you like you yep. have to have one, two, three or whatever. There's another type of education, which um, I think that kind of delves into a lot goes on with like podcasts, like real estate nerds and other types of information, which is like, what are the questions you're asking yourself? Because you don't necessarily, like when you're running into situations like, um, like you ran into there, it seems to me that uh, a lot of the solutions can only come about by asking the right question. That's it's right. Not a, it's not a technical deficit. It's just saying, like, did I even ask myself that question to even know to even think about that? And that's where you get, like, the bullet holes in your knowledge, or some people will call that blind spot. I was just even yeah. blind to even think of outside of the box I was living in, you know? But that's difficult to do, right? Because um, if you're already deep in it, and for anybody that's deep in it right now, if you're really deep in anything, it doesn't matter how to be real estate or whatever, like, that's where going out and talking to people, even though it can feel like you're wasting time because you need to be chugging uh, is the only way you're going to get out of that because otherwise you can't even see the, the, the scope of decisions you can make. You don't even see the full playing field. You're probably trapped inside of houses like the York situation is the way I see it is like you're trapped inside of houses trying to make the house game work. There's a solution to the house game that only exists outside of the house game. Yeah, but you can't see that because nobody's there to tell you. Hey, you need to look, blow up the scope of what you're looking at. Ask yourself, like, if I couldn't solve it here, how could I solve it? You know, you know. Yeah, 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 man. You're, you're, you're. I think you brought up the best thing in the interview so far. I think mentors ask the right questions, and that was really, really one of the main issues I had going on. Because you're right. Those questions I need to ask were not in my level of awareness. It just wasn't. I, I went, hey, I think I need to make another $4,000 from an additional stream of income that's not investing to protect my investments for when they go down. No, I wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah, I'm in my mid-20s. Who thinks, who thinks like that in the mid-20s? I'm thinking about girls because I own these houses, vodka because I own these houses, cars because I own these houses, right? I'm not thinking about, you know? I'm thinking about, look at me, ladies. I'm the man type thing, right? I'm not thinking yeah. about that crap. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, man? So, I'm with you on that, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. But mentors, yeah. they ask the right questions. Mentors would say, Scott, let me ask you a question, Scott. I'm just a guy, but let me ask you a question. What would you do if all five of your renters walk out of here right now? What would you do? And then Scott would have said, well, I, oh, I don't know. Ah, okay, Scott, how are we going to fix this problem? Right? That's what the mentor would ask. But, you know, I'm a mentor now. What's not yeah. one thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like the point you bring up too is that like um, about like where your where your head's at, you know, with what it is that you're going after, right? Like this comes down to like where's your why? You know, if the why was I wanted to get houses because I'm about like chasing a lifestyle that I like, and that's what I'm really all about right now, then that I see that as like the number one thing actually that gets thrust upon us by people that are selling real estate training programs. Like, you come yeah. here, learn this. I'm going to give you this lifestyle. You know what it is, yeah. right? And that's not at all what the smart, savvy investors that I work with. You know, we got about 2,000 portfolios underneath our protection with Royal Legal Solutions, right? 
And every single one of them, of the guys that are building lasting long-term wealth, um, they, it takes them, a, what they value is not how do I create X lifestyle this week? They're like, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be 35 or I'm going to be yeah. 40. And of course I ask myself, what do I want this to look like when I'm 40? Yep. Or, you know, I'm like five years down the road, seven years down the road, because I know it's going to happen. What do I want that lifestyle to actually look like? And if you think that way in that kind of context, what I find is that you stop seeking like the, the hit, you know, of short term yep. success. And you start thinking a lot more about um, what does it take to build stability? Yep. You know, like thinking long term automatically it's like, well, I really want a stable lifestyle because I really want peace in my life. Because when I have peace in my life, I can actually go do these other things that are much more like richer and, and rewarding for me. Um, but that's not what's sold to us. Like stability isn't sexy. You know? <laughs> no. Until you get burned. Until you get burned, man. You're burned. All of a sudden you're like, hell yeah, I want yeah. 60 months of reserves. <laughs> exactly. I never want that again. Never, and, man. So never. That's the question, right? The question we get to ask ourselves is do we want stability or do we want short-term sexy you know? right and short-term sexy is gonna get you burnt just like chlamydia right yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. it's gonna get you it's gonna say there's not a way out of it you can get out of a lot of things you know yeah so yeah they, be painful getting out of it they, they got medicine for chlamydia <laughs> but, but you don't want to use it right if this yeah. is the things you don't want to have to go and tell your doctor what's going on right no no you got very wise points today my my goal is now to create a $500 million empire, but now it's no longer for me. I'll give you an example. I, ha I have a team of eight now. I actually, well, in fairness, I have a team, I have a core team of eight and most Okay, I have a team of eight now. Sorry about that. I have a team of eight now. And, and to be fair, I have a I have a multiple team. I have one core team of eight in multiple companies. One of these companies is real estate as well. We kind of pick days or time slots, which we're going to do things. Now I am creating a legacy for the people who work for me. And about total, it's about 54 people who work for me now. And I have a core team of eight who I am. I've, I've, I've made all eight of these people millionaires. And that's my legacy now. That's my, my why is how many millionaires can I create? Now, this why is strong for me. By July 20th, 20th, by July 20th, 2020, and I'm well documented, I've said this all over the internet, my goal is to create 100,000 millionaires, 100,000 millionaires. And the reason I want to do it is not for bragging rights. I'm actually trying to change the world. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I bet 100,000 millionaires can change the world, especially if they value personal development over income. And that's my strongest why with real estate now. For now, when, when, let's say if I buy a pre-foreclosure, I'm excited to buy a pre-foreclosure and give the family three to $5,000 so they can relocate. Right. I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're changing lives now. I'm not just buying a free, I'm not just doing a short sale because it's, it's great, you know, $40,000 income for me or whatever. I'm saying, Hey, here's $5,000. Can I help you all relocate? Because you didn't want the foreclosure on your, on your record or your credit. 
but I also want to help you relocate to a better place now. So you're right, man. My motives are completely different. And for that reason, I'm far more successful than I've ever been. Uh, 100%. You find that, that that's going to be um, top level for everybody, right? After you find, like you solve yeah. income problems, and this is true for everybody I've ever talked to, from people that are billionaires, you know, down to people that are just getting started. It's like initially yeah. we all get like these huge income motivations for what we're doing because we're, we're solving these problems and then we get like the lifestyle and then you get the girls and you get the party and you get the vacations and then you only can do that for so long until that becomes empty in and of itself. And then it becomes like, how yeah. can I help others and how can I actually make an impact of something that I really care about? And I think that's where you get deep into that why. Um, and that's where you get like, yeah. and people that get deep in the why, that's how the, the, the deep wisdom comes out because the why do I do what I do um, shapes everything. It shapes everything about who do you like to spend time with? How am I thinking about how do I want to approach this problem? You know, do I even want the income right now? Or like, is that, yeah. is that even a project I want to take on? How am I using my time? You know, what's the yeah. most valuable thing for me to use my time? Because maybe it's not money. Maybe it doesn't matter what the income is because I actually am about how do I help this family? Because I, I took sure. a special interest in them, you know? And because those are like the memories of the treasure chest that like builds the better life, I think that we need. And I think that's what... What I hear from what you're developing now is like that style of thinking of saying like, you know, it's actually about building this piece that to me, I can't buy. I can't buy changing the world directly. I can't just. Right. Yeah. Them. I can't do that. I can't. Yeah. I just can't go to the Walmart yeah. and be like, you know what? If I can get some change the world. One change to- of the world, please. One change <laughs> yeah. of the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. I mean, at this point, at this point, man, I am, I have a serious goal of becoming a billionaire by by july 2020 so that'll let you know where my uh, income slash net worth is so at this point i don't have anything to prove but i am ineffective to the world if i'm not making it a better place right it's just it's it's inappropriate it is grossly irresponsible for me to have a lot and not give it away abundance is meant to be shared and if I can, whether it be through real estate or stocks, I don't care, man. Who, the vehicle doesn't matter. You know, it's whatever vehicle you're passionate about. But we have to be making a difference. And that is the goal. And you, you're spot on, man. I, back, I should probably, like, pack up and move to L.A. and go do some movies or something, right? You know, to start my, start my mogul phase of my life. And I'm not that old yet. I'm still in my 30s. I'm still in my 30s. You know, I'm not like... <laughs> Maybe me and LeBron James would go do our mogul phase now, yeah. you know, things like that. But, man, no, man. It, it is about, honestly. And then, really now, you know, I'm glad you said it because now I'm, th- I'm thinking lots of multi-units now. Not because multi-units is where you should go because I really do think everybody should be in multi-units as fast as possible. But now I really want to get multi-level, multi-level, multi-units. I was going to say multi-level marketing. Multi-units. And low-income areas, dress them up and fix this entire area. Man, I would love to do that. That's, that's my number one passion in real estate right now is to change areas that were once bad, buy them and then make them good, but not, not good for good people, right? Air quotes. I mean, for the same people who live in these areas. And I'm not talking about gentrification or anything like that. I'm saying buy the hood and then teach the hood how to appreciate what is no longer hood. Yeah. 
I think so, man. You're talking about some big, big changes to be able to accomplish that. But I yeah, like it. But you got you got to take somebody's got to pick up the uh, pick up the baton on that to be able to say to to lead it. Cause you're talking about a cultural change. You're talking about yeah. people change the way they think, the way they operate, what they respect. You know, and a lot of that comes down to uh, to self-respect. You know, you find yep. that people that don't take care of their stuff are people that also don't take care of themselves. They don't think that they have worth and value, and so they don't value anything as well too right so it's that's um, right yeah man so it's like that's a big that's a big mission there i i, I applaud you for taking it on man <laughs> i like to recap every episode and tell you with um uh, just looking at um like a lesson learned and for for me a lesson learned out of our, our talk here today was just about um you know making sure that you're bulletproofing yourself like as you move like yeah. you step down the way because you know slow growth is you know not the sexiest thing in the world no but you know what's really tough is the whipsaws and the whipsaws yeah. of like having to take big losses those are the things that you know make us become fearful or really yeah. painful to endure in life you can handle slow growth because you've been living your life the way you have been living for 10 years you know yeah um, but if you, if you grow in a way that you're bulletproofing your growth, you know, uh, as you go up, then, then you don't end up in that kind of bad situation. Like you shared with us here today. Yeah. Um, and, and in the way that the fundamental root to that is getting the right mentors in place that are there with you. Um, they're doing it with you and, and that, that way you can see exactly, um, you know, what you need to be doing each step of the way and somebody asking you the right questions. And then if you were going to leave the listeners with just one uh, final thought of like a lesson learned from today's, um, you know, interview with you, what, what would that be? I would tell you all to move before you're ready. Now, although I clearly suffered from that, I had a continuing education problem, not a moving problem. Let me tell you all something. It is far easier to educate a doer than it is to activate a thinker. Far easier, far easier. If you move before you're ready, Today, I'm a millionaire, and I'm grateful for it. But that's because I moved before I was ready. I messed up, but I still moved before I was ready. I'm not thinking, right? I'm not saying, ooh, I wish I would have did this, and now I'm on my couch smoking weed or eating a lollipop or something, thinking about one day meeting a guy named Scott Smith, right? I'm not doing that. I moved, right? Yeah, he's I'm, not eating lollipops. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're out yeah. there doing that. You know, that's it, man. Some questions for you. Yeah, you take, action. <laughs> take action, man. Move yeah. before you're ready. That's what I would tell your audience, man. Move before you're ready. Life loves movers. Yeah, you almost it's almost impossible to screw up so bad as long as you keep taking action. That's it, man. Right? Keep taking action. Keep saying inform. You know, and that's uh, it. I think that's like that's part of like the 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 the, the of your story too. You know, like it's like you had a goal that you were set out to do and because you moved so quickly, you had these like big whips back and forth, but like, you know, taking over enough time, look at the success over time. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be that painful, you know, to get there. Don't take my route. Don't take the same route. You know, that's not what we're saying here. But what we are saying is that it all starts with having to take an action and bust outside of your comfort zone and get used to living outside of it while you're getting there and knowing that's going to be the highs and lows. And that's what you and everybody else experiences that plays that game because that's what the game is. The game is riding the roller coaster and how well you can ride it together with, you know, getting good mentors and how well you can stay on track with it. But the game isn't all about, you know, everything like being smooth the whole time. That's just not the game. That's not the game we're playing called called trying to get rich and, and trying no. to get big. 
you know, that's it. Nah, slow and steady, man. Slow and steady. That's it. Well, thanks uh, for coming on the podcast today, brother. Really, really, um, for anybody who wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, man, you can just reach out to me at Facebook. Uh, dot com and then my handle is the as in the t-h-e a-t-s-j-r believe me i'm a master at sales funnels if you just type me in facebook you will be funneled into everything that i do <laughs> awesome well thank you for coming on the show of course i'm scott royal smith i'm your host here at the real estate nerds podcast um go ahead and jump on and get their free asset protection uh book from us by texting royal over to four seven Four seven four seven. Thanks, guys. We'll see you again next week. Appreciate you, man. That's all for this Bad Beats episode. I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Did you see yourself in any part of that story? I know I did. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in the sleeping masses of what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day. Thanks, and I'll see you again soon. <laughs>